I got a girl with a mind on love The kind of love that is dangerous It knocks me down but I get back up Hey everyone, welcome back to the Kevin and HJ podcast. Today I have my brother on as we preview the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Patriots. Uh, Me and my brother, we talk about all the different things that the Rams need to do to win and then what the Patriots need to do to win. Hopefully the Rams can pull it out, but um, if you guys are Jets fans, I'm not exactly sure if you're going to like the predictions that me and my brother give out today so uh listen in on the uh preview and we we also have a little bit of nba at the end uh talking about anthony davis so give it a listen um if you haven't subscribed yet please subscribe and rate the podcast on itunes so thanks for listening guys and uh let's give my brother a call Hello. Hey, Mike. Thanks for coming on. I can't believe we're in the last week of the NFL season. Um, it's crazy how we've done a podcast for every single week. And this is, we'll have another one next week to review the Super Bowl, but I can't believe we're at the end of the season already. Yeah, I know. I can't believe it's already the end of the season. I feel like the NFL season always goes by so quickly and uh you know at least you know fortunately after the nfl season we still have the nba to look forward to but you know that summertime is is tough exactly so i mean anthony davis trade news we're not going to get into that today obviously but that mm-hmm. was pretty crazy um but we're here to actually talk about the super bowl and preview the super bowl matchup between the rams and the patriots so mike uh, we'll give our predictions later on in the podcast. But, Mike, what are some of the storylines heading into the Super Bowl that you're looking out for right now? Yeah, I think uh, a few of the storylines that I'm looking forward to is you know, Tom Brady. It seems like this isn't going to be his last rodeo. But, you know, how 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 does this game, you know, if Tom Brady can do it, how does this just cement his legacy? Like, is he – is he already the GOAT? I mean, probably, but does this just, you know, put him in a whole nother tier and just make it unquestionable if, you know, they were to pull it off? Um, that's one storyline I'm I'm looking forward to, just, you know, the legacy and being able to appreciate this amazing run, even though it's um, for our, you know, arch rival. But uh, that's one thing I'm interested in. And, um, you know, another thing that I'm looking forward to is really looking into for the Rams – um, you know, how Todd Gurley um, looks coming into the Super Bowl. Right? Just, I just, I'm, I'm really curious to see when the actual game starts, how he looks, um, how much they decide to rely on the run game. You know, C.J. Anderson has looked good for them, but, you know, I think that we all know that Todd Gurley is the more explosive, uh, more dynamic athlete, right? I'm just curious to see how involved he gets, right? Because I, I'm not sure Jared Goff, I mean, he played a pretty solid game last week, but I, I, I'm i not sure I would fully trust him yet here. Right. And, I mean, like, what I, I did want to talk about the Brady thing first. Obviously, 
Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would say he already is the GOAT and he has almost nothing to prove left in terms of cementing his legacy. It's just pretty much a cherry on top in terms of whatever he does um, from here on out for the rest of his career. And he did announce earlier this week um, in response to a question in terms of whether or not he has any chance of retiring after a possible winning performance in the Super Bowl. And he responded with a 0% chance. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of saddening for us as Jets fans, honestly. Uh, crying, crying very big tears. But it's just, it's just incredible what he's been able to do throughout uh, his entire career. And the idea that he is thinking about playing three, four, five more years got like it just it scares me, honestly. And I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how. He ends up keeping this level of performance up for years to come because we're starting to enter uncharted territory in terms of the age that he's getting to and the level of performance that he's been able to maintain uh, with his age getting up there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he still had a pretty good season. I mean, he... He he's just, in my opinion, he's the goat right now, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he plays. I I do think that in terms of legacy, I think you're right. Like right now, I I would say that he is the greatest of all time, but um, I'm not sure that it's it's sustainable to keep playing at his level moving forward. Right? I I know that how well he keeps. Um, he keeps his body, but um, I, I'm just not positive that anyone will be able to keep playing once you're like 42, 43, or whatever age he's starting to reach. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting because you'll hear guys like Max Kellerman on first take kind of refer to there being a drop-off or there being a cliff for NFL quarterbacks or guys that are getting into their 40s, but I mean, Brady did have a little bit of a drop-off this year in terms of stats. Maybe he missed a couple open throws during the season, but he still was able to guide the Patriots to the Super Bowl, and that was their ultimate goal. And especially with the amount of talent that's surrounding him in the offense this year, Gronkowski has been a shell of what he what he once was, honestly. Um, Julian Edelman had that four-game suspension earlier on in the season. Chris Hogan, it's not like he was great. They got rid of Brandon Cooks, and he's he's on the other sideline for this week uh, for the Rams. And it, it just didn't seem like he had that many uh, offensive weapons. Maybe the one area that improved was Sony Michelle. But other than that, there were his receiving options were not that great in comparison to previous years. Yeah, that's true. And I think the biggest reason for that is this pretty massive decline for Rob Gronkowski. You always expected, I mean, even this year in fantasy football, he was still like a second-round pick, right? But he really, really dropped off this year. And, um, you know, when he, you know, Tom Brady really doesn't have that elite type of 
talent at the skill position anymore, um, which I think could be corresponding to a lot of his decline in numbers. So maybe it's not him, but maybe the weapons around him that have sort yeah, of and the, and and this, I mean, I think if he ends up getting a win here this weekend, it's that six and three record in Super Bowls sounds far better than five and four. Um, yep, and agreed. It's five and four just seems like almost almost like a coin flip in that it mm-hmm. it kind of like almost is determined by luck. And if you look back at some of the the luck that he has had in Super Bowl performances, leading to wins like Malcolm Butler interception. Uh, sorry, Seattle fans, to bring up that play again where they probably should have ran the ball. Uh, the Atlanta, Atlanta victory uh, two years ago when they came back from 28-3 in the middle of the third quarter. Like, though, there's performances in there that could have really swung his record one way or the other, depending on luck, depending on other people's performance. Um, Adam Vinatieri won him a couple Super Bowls as well. Like, so there's just a bunch of different factors that come into play obviously so I mean six and three definitely sounds a lot better but than five and four but I I don't really think it really changes much in terms of his legacy just because the amount of Super Bowls he's gone to now and Mm -hmm. if he wins six then he he's able to really really be on top so I would it, it would be pretty crazy to see that and I think uh, and then you also talked about Todd Gurley and whether or not he's going to be able to get it going. And I think that's going to be very, one of the really fascinating storylines in terms of whether or not the Rams run offense is going to be able to get it going. Because you know that Belichick is going to be keying in on that, especially. He's going to try and force pre- off to make throws. Right, exactly. So I think that's definitely going to be one of the key keys to the game obviously and and the one one additional storyline i think or slash narrative that i think a lot of nfl people are kind of going to is this old guard versus new guard in terms of um jared goff sean McVay being the new young guns kind of coming into the league taking the league by storm and having maybe the next 10 years or so in front of them with this possible sustained um, success and then Brady and Belichick being the old wily veterans trying to hold on for their last um, last run and see if they could could complete the run and it'll be it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening in this game and whether or not it's like a passing of the baton or if it's something like Brady kind of shows the kid uh, how to do a couple things. And, yeah, I don't know if you uh, want to get into predictions or you want to start talking about some more storylines here, but I am really curious to hear what your prediction is here, Kev. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, we could get into more things that I did want to talk about, but I, mm-hmm. I can give my, let's give our predictions now and then kind of give the reasons why maybe we're, th- we're leaning one way or the other. Yep. All right. Yeah. So, so Mike, I think it's, I think for me, it's going to be a pretty close game. Um, I mm-hmm. think it's, it seems like whenever the Patriots are in 
a Super Bowl, it's always a close game. It's never really a blowout at all. So mm-hmm. I'm predicting a close game. Um, I think both coaches are going to have their teams very well prepared. Um, McVay's kind of proven that he's been able to do that as a young coach thus far in his career. And Belichick, as we know, this old old uh, veteran coach, probably the best coach in um, modern NFL history, probably ever. Um, he's going to have his team prepared. But I am, since this is a one-off game, I think I'm leaning towards the Patriots uh, completing the run and, and winning the Super Bowl. I, I think I'm predicting somewhere around, It's I think it's going to be something like 34 to 31 or something like that, Patriots. Yeah, I really like that prediction overall. I uh, I totally agree with what you're saying. I I really think it's gonna I think it's gonna be a close game. A lot of the past Patriots Super Bowls have been extremely tight games, extremely dramatic games, right? And I expect the same for this one. I think that honestly, the Patriots overall, because of their veteran experience, they've been there, done that. And yet they still have this underdog mentality and storyline going for them, which is pretty ridiculous in my mind, right? They are going to, yeah, they're probably going to win in my opinion. I, I could see this being a pretty similar to what you're thinking as well here. like a High-scoring um, game. Yeah, high-scoring game. Comes down to like maybe Brady and like the, doing like a two-minute drill or something um, or just like a last-minute field goal. Um, that's, that's sort of what I'm thinking for this game, but yeah, in the thirties, maybe like a a 37, 28 kind of game. Yeah. And I, I think, I think kind of like look out for those special team players in terms of, um, Greg Zerline versus Steven Gostowski. Those two guys are really great, uh, kickers, really good kick, uh, kickers under pressure. I mean, Gostowski's had, has has done it throughout his career. Um, it seems like New England's been blessed with two amazing kickers back-to-back in Vinatieri, then Gostowski. And then, obviously, last week with Zerline hitting those mm. two huge – or, yeah, hitting those two huge field goals um, to win it was – kind of really cemented him in, in L.A. Rams history in terms of him being one of the better – special teams players in the league currently. So watch out for that. One of those two guys might determine who wins the Super Bowl. And, I mean, like we saw a couple weeks ago, their line could kick it from like 58 yards, 57 yards. So it's not like field goal range is going to be question at all. The weather's not going to be too much of a question either because of the dome. Um, playing indoors, so that'll be exciting. Um, I think perfect kicking condition, so it's it's not like they have anything to worry about in terms of weather. Um, so I'm not sure who who that really favors, um, one way or the other. Both rely on quick timing type of patterns um, in their offense, so I think it, it's going to be a boost to offense overall. Yeah. And for me, I think that's a really interesting thing to note. Uh, I do think, you know, I gave it the 30, 34, 37, um, 28. And, you know, that 
I, I think it's going to be more reliant on a lot of field goals. So that 28 seems a little bit off for the Rams. I totally agree. Like if the Rams are, you know, think think they should like try for a score for like 50 yards out, I, I think they're just going to go for Zerline and trust um, his leg there, right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah, and for me... Sorry, go that? ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just going to move on towards, you know, a really interesting storyline for me. Like, the reason why I really believe in the Patriots now, unfortunately, is I I thought that against the Chargers and against the Chiefs, like two extremely offensively athletic teams, like extremely explosive teams, right? Um, the Patriots would just have a hard time, like, keeping uh, keeping up the pace with that kind of offense, right? Mm-hmm. But it seems like the Patriots have been able to neutralize a pretty explosive Chargers and Chiefs defense. And I'm not even sure that the Rams are that much more explosive on offense uh, than those two teams. Actually, I put them like maybe a little bit lower, right, in terms mm-hmm. of explosiveness. Um, you know, just because, you know, Cooper Cup's out. I know you have Cooks. I know you have um, Robert, Robert Woods as well. But I, it, a lot of it relies on if Gurley is going to be himself as well. Right, so I'm not sure if they're as explosive as those two teams. For me, what a lot of this game is going to come down to is if the uh, Rams defense can get to Tom Brady, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think I think yeah. that's been the story. That's like not to cut you off there, Mike, but that's been the I guess I guess that's been like the story of Brady's Super Bowl losses uh, to the mm-hmm. Giants and to the Eagles is that they they were able to pressure him um extremely well and consistently throughout that throughout those super bowl losses mm-hmm. and that really forced him to to get rid of the ball quickly and then threw off his timing and it it really kind of showed um especially in like that Atlanta game too they were able to get pressure on him um, in the beginning of the game, and then it mm. faded, and he that he had kind of at the end, yeah, right, and he just looked like a machine. So I'm I'm wondering if the Rams are able to sustain it throughout the whole game because Aaron Donald's going to have his moments here and there, and he because of how dominant of a pass rusher he is interior, and he's like the best interior pass rusher. So I'm curious to see how that offensive line, like Shaq Mason, Joe Tooney, like how they're able to handle um, handle him one in one-on-one situations. And obviously, they're probably going to be doubling up on him as well. Yeah, I'll see how like a lot of the Patriots offensive line, um, like you were saying, um, is able to stop Aaron Donald. But if I think about it right, you know, the Chargers defense, at least their defensive line, right, pretty explosive as well and, you know, able to get a lot of pressure on. But, you know, the, I, I believe they got like zero sacks. And mm-hmm. watching that game, absolutely zero pressure on Tom Brady, right? Mm-hmm. So that's my worry. I, I think that Tom Brady, he's so experienced, like he's seen it all. Like even if you get pressure on him a few times, like he's he's going to be able to read your play. He's going to be able to call the right audible um, and get the ball out such that, you know, it's going to be hard for a lot of these uh, Rams players to get a lot of pressure on him, right? So I do think Aaron Donald is a fantastic player. Um, I think he'll have his moments, but 
I'm just not sure if they'll be able to get uh, a lot of pressure on Brady, mm-hmm. right? And I think that'll ultimately be a deciding factor. Right? I think because it, yeah. right, right. Because well, sorry, what were you gonna finish up with? I mean, I was just gonna say like last year's Super Bowl game, it was basically decided by the uh, you know Eagles defensive line, right? Getting that sort of strip sack at the end of the game, mm-hmm. but. If they didn't get that, I really do think Tom Brady would just march down the field and score. Right, and I, I mean, I think the one, the one big difference between the two teams that you outlined in terms of the Chiefs and um, Chargers and what type of pressure they're able to get, I think the pressure that Brady's going to have to deal with is going to be a little bit different because of the spots as to where they're going to be coming from. And me meaning that with Aaron Donald being this interior pass rusher, I think if they're, if he's able to get pressure up the middle in Brady's face and force Brady to move from side to side within the pocket, and Brady's going to be, I mean, he's a master, um, master at maneuvering within the pocket. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that, but it, it might throw off the timing of some of the routes. Whereas in terms of if if the pressure is coming from the outside, he just steps up in the pocket. And I think that's if, if they're able to keep a very clean pocket in front of him so he's able to step into throws, I think the Patriots won't have too much to worry about. But with Aaron Donald probably being one, probably the best interior pass rusher in our in, oh, yeah. in the NFL, I think it's really going to cause Brady um, a lot of concern because he won't be able to step um, up into his throws mm-hmm. and into the pocket. So I think that might be the difference, and I'm, I'm sort of kind, I'm sort of modeling that after what Fletcher Cox did in in the last Super Bowl um, mm-hmm. for the Eagles last year in terms of what he was able to do um, and providing that interior pass rush. So I think that's going to be one of the huge key battles of the game and seeing whether or not Indomitian and Sue and Aaron Donald are going to be able to hold up um, in the pass rush. And then I think on the flip side of things for the Patriots offense, I think they're going to continue to try to do what they've done in the past couple of weeks in terms of establishing the run and kind of playing this ball control offense to keep that offense off of the field because that, I mean, that offense is pretty explosive and can score fairly quickly, maybe not on the level of the Chiefs um, and maybe similar level to where the Chargers are at. But mm-hmm. I think the Patriots Patriots have really found something with Sony Michelle being able to kind of run this ball. And then when James White is in, whether or not he's going to be able to t- uh, take advantage of those uh, matchups against Mark Barron um, and Littleton John and Johnson. John Johnson, because that's, I think the one player that they really struggled with in that NFC championship game was Alvin Kamara. And, mm-hmm. and if James White is able to catch balls out of the backfield, like he did uh, during that Atlanta Super Bowl, then mm-hmm. I think that's going to be, a real cause for cause for concern for um, the Rams in terms of whether or not 
Brady can um, manipulate that matchup um, in pass catching situations for James White. Yeah. So I think we both, I mean, we both have the Patriots here, but is there a chance that this game isn't that close, right? I mean, I keep thinking in my head that, you know, Brady's going to get his, he's going to perform, but Jared Goff is his X factor, and you never know. I mean, he's only played in three playoff games so far. He's got a two-in-one record. Playing in the Super Bowl, I think, is is another level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's 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 got to be like another level of pressure, right? So I'm just not sure if, you know, Jared Goff, if, if the Patriots get off to like that 14-0 lead, have kept off, um, you know, the Rams' offense for long amounts of time, they're, they're cold, right? Is Jared Goff going to be able to play like a Mahomes and sort of rally his team back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I read an interesting stat where I think the Rams – if they were trailing in the second half, they didn't win those games, but they're only trailing in three of those games. So those are the three games they lost. So they're going to really have to do their work early um, on. And it's, I, I think it's, it's going to be tough for golf in this situation, just because of the immense pressure for a Super Bowl. You just never know how these players are going to react but Goff has shown that he's been able to perform in pressure situations. Even last week, he was eight, or a couple of weeks ago against the Saints, he was able to overcome adversity and be able to perform in big, big moments. Um, mm-hmm. He was able to make those uh, tough conversions on on third down, on second down. Um, you know, when there's pressure in his face, he was able to make the throws uh, during that Saints game. And I think, strangely, it might be a little bit easier to play on a neutral field than playing in that Superdome in New Orleans with all the noise that and communication problems that he had with McVeigh. I think he's going to actually ha- find it a little bit easier um, with, with maybe a clear set of communication and having a couple weeks to prepare. I think he'll feel a little bit more comfortable. I, what I'm a little bit worried about for them is whether or not they're going to be able to get enough, um, like an X factor is able to step up other than um, Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods. Like, I, I don't know who that other guy is going to be because you know what the Patriots are going to do in terms of they're going to probably load up the box, stop, try to stop Gurley, stop C.J. Anderson, and then match up Stefan Gilmore with uh, Cooks and then mm-hmm. and then try to see and take away Robert Woods by doubling him or doubling Cooks and then putting Gilmore on uh, on Woods. I, I wonder who that third guy is going to be. Is it going to be Josh Reynolds that steps up? Is it going to be Everett that steps up or Tyler Higby. Like, I think one of those three guys is going to have to have a bigger game for the Rams for them to have to win. It's going to have to be one of those three, three guys that has like, when we look at the box score at the end of the game, if the Rams won, you're going to be like, Oh wow. Tyler Higby had five catches four four catches for 70 yards and a touchdown or something like that where we're going to be a little bit surprised 
um, with the amount of targets that he gets, or whether it be Josh Reynolds coming up with a couple big plays. Because it seems like in, in Super Bowls like this, there's always an unsung hero or an X factor that ends up coming through. And I, I wonder, even on the Patriots side of things, if there's going to be a player like that because you know the Rams are going to be able to are going to be keen in on their on those key players. I wonder who that key guy or that X factor is for the Patriots. I mean, I I outlined James White. Is there a player that you had in mind uh, for the Patriots that might step up outside of the usual suspects on offense or just yeah. overall? I think overall or on offense, it, whoever whoever you had in mind. Uh, yeah, I guess on offense, like Julian Edelman, he's played extremely, extremely well, uh, not just in the past few playoff games, but just to close out the season. Uh, I remember I took a bet with one of my friends who would have more receiving yards and touchdowns or, um, or fantasy points from like week 10 on, Robert Woods or Julian Edelman. And Robert Woods was pretty, pretty on fire. But uh, at that the last, point, exactly. Yeah, for the last few weeks, like Julian Edelman, he uh, made me – Made me pay up a little bit, and he's been extremely impressive um, for Tom Brady these past few weeks, and really stepped up. So even as like Gronk has declined a little bit, I think Edelman has taken this game to a little bit of a higher level here. So that's someone who I think will probably play relatively well and uh, be pretty important for Tom Brady next week. Uh, in terms of on the defense, I'm really curious to see how much pressure this. Patriots defensive line is able to get right how much pressure is someone like Trey Flowers able to get here because um, against the Chargers and against the Chiefs like the Patriots defensive game plan was extremely impressive to me they were able to get a lot of pressure and make the other quarterbacks feel very uncomfortable in the pocket and not really play their best game uh, at least initially in that first half early on right both Mm -hmm. in the Chargers game like you know I believe, yeah, so Rivers um, got sacked twice, and, you know, Mahomes, I believe, got sacked four or five times in his game, too, uh, mostly in the first quarter, uh, first half, right? So it's 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 going to be interesting to see how I think that defensive line plays. Uh, I'm really interested to see what kind of defensive game plan the Patriots come up with, see how someone like Trey Flowers uh, lines up and. Um, is able to make golf feel uncomfortable because I know you're starting to feel pretty good about golf, but I'm I'm not yet sold, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's not it, it's not out of the question that golf struggles mightily in the game as well, but I just don't know if the Patriots have enough defensively on that defensive line to give him that much trouble, mm-hmm. and and I think McVay is going to be able to scheme things for him to make it fairly simple in terms of the reads so that yep. he's able to make quick decisions. And if if they're not quick decisions, they'll be open uh, decisions and fairly simple to make. And the reason why I say that is because I don't think the Patriots have enough talent on their defensive line uh, to be able to send enough pressure to get to, to put on golf consistently so I think that's probably the one area of concern. Like they're really heavily relying on Trey Flowers and probably Donta Hightower probably putting uh, pressure up the middle um, from his linebacker position. 
I think those are the two guys that that the Rams yep. really have to be concerned about. And then I'm kind of curious to see what Kyle Van Noy does, like how um, how Bill Belichick ends up deploying him and what what scheme they end up using. Because with Van Noy, he's been kind of all over the place. Like he's rushed the passer. He's covered running backs. He's covered tight, tight ends. He's, he's pretty much done it all for the Patriots in terms of whether it be pass coverage or, or uh, his run stopping ability. So I'm curious to see what he ends up doing. I think that that's going to be a pretty key matchup to see if um, when Gurley comes out of the backfield, um, who's on Gurley. Um, if, it, if they deploy a man system or deploy something in their zone scheme. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely interesting to see how they use Calvin Noy. If they use him more for blitzing, more for like just um, stopping the run, we'll, we'll see. We'll see with that one. I think that's definitely an interesting call out there. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, and I I think one I mean one guy that I did want to highlight in terms of like an X factor for um, the Patriots is um, the local Jersey kid Chris Hogan. Uh, he I mean, I think, <laughs> and I think yep. because I think you talked about Edelman and him having a really great last, I would say, probably couple months of the season, been Tom Brady's like go-to threat. I yep. mean, I think Edelman's that number one option, and I think the Rams are going to try to do everything to stop him. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they double him um, just because of just because of how important he is to that Patriots offense. And then Gronk has been a shell of what he's been. And I wonder what, what they decide to do. So if I'm the Rams, what I'm going to, what I'm going to be doing is probably whenever Gronk flexes out, out wide, I'm probably doubling him. And then with Edelman, I'm probably doing like a one, one one-on-one matchup and then maybe putting a safety over the top, having, doubling him as well and then just kind of seeing what what I can take with uh Chris Hogan um matchup wise it's and those I think that's like probably the key matchup Chris Hogan mm-hmm. or that I I, I don't need James to White build, like James White out of the backfield like and I think that's where the Patriots can really kill him James White out of the backfield like I was talking about before and taking advantage of that matchup, whether it be John Johnson or uh, Mark Barron, who they're utilizing against uh, Alvin Kamara a lot. So I think I think James White, Chris Hogan, those are the two guys to maybe look out for um, if Tom Brady's not able to get the ball to Julian Edelman or Gronkowski. Yeah, no, I definitely like the uh, James White call out there. I'm uh I'm I'm a little less optimistic on Hogan, but who knows in the Super Bowl, right? You definitely see those third or like fourth options sort of coming alive and sometimes swinging these games here. Um, but yeah, I mean overall, it's pretty unfortunate to say that both of us think that you know the Patriots can get their sixth Super Bowl here. I know it just needs to stop as Jets fans. It needs to stop, but it doesn't look like it's going to stop because of what Brady's doing. Um, I don't know if you saw today, uh, Brady was like, 
got a pillow from Guillermo from from Jimmy Kimmel Live and ended up signing it, a pillow with his face on it. So that was kind of funny for media day. Uh, Mm -hmm. So they got to see all the wackiness of media day today. Um, One thing I did want to transition to. So so actually mom and dad, our mom and dad ended up going to the sports book in at the Meadowlands to see if they wanted to make a bet, place a wager, whatever. But it it was kind of interesting kind of walking them through this betting process. They they were too intimidated to even do anything like that. But they they're bringing back like all these prop bets and like Super Bowl bets and things like that. So, oh, really? Right, right. So the line's at two and a half right now. For me, yep. I have the Patriots. I have the Patriots covering, winning 34-31. It seems like you have the Patriots covering as well pretty comfortably. Yep. Um, 35-28, right? Or 34-28, you said? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be tough. I, I'll, I'll probably go – I need to rethink this one. Maybe something like 27 to like 30, right, for the Patriots. I think it's going to be a closer game. Maybe not as high scoring as you have. Um, mm-hmm. But I did get convinced by your uh, your field goal um, argument. Here. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so the line's at two and a half. But the, the Super Bowl brings about a lot of fun prop bets. It brings about, like, uh, how long the national anthem is going to be over under that, the over. The over under of total points scored, um, like heads or tails, whether or not there's going to be Gatorade, like what color the Gatorade is going to be when they pour it on the coach. Like <laughs> they have all these different bets, like what songs Maroon 5 is going to play during their halftime set, um, yep. things like that. If Andre 3000 is going to make a special appearance. So, what I'm basically saying is. If you're in a state that's legal to gamble in, go make a bet because it's fun. It's a Super Bowl. It's a fun time. Why not? Um, why not do it? It'll be fun to be able to do. So, Mike, and kind of a question off the beaten path. In terms of ideal Super Bowl halftime performance or, or performer, who? Let's say I put you in charge of like setting up that event. Who would you end up hiring ideally um, if you were in charge for a Super Bowl halftime performance? Yeah, yeah, Super Bowl halftime performance. So Maroon Five is this year's halftime performer. Uh, we've had we've had some really interesting choices. Beyonce was a Beyonce was someone a couple years ago. Um, I think it was it was Justin Timberlake last year, correct? Katy Perry a couple years ago before that. So it's been all over the map. What I mean, who would you kind of choose uh, to be? I you know what? Since it's in Atlanta for this year, I think that you know doing something classic like Southern hip hop could be an interesting play there. Honestly, I. I don't really remember a lot of the uh, halftime performances. I think Lady Gaga was last year too, or something. Right? Was it Lady Gaga? I thought it was Justin Timberlake, but maybe I'm incorrect on that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe it was Justin Timberlake, but I don't know. I can't. I guess that that shows. The thing is, we, we don't care. yeah, we can't even remember it. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, the most memorable thing I remember is, like, this shark for Katy Perry. Right? <laughs> the so, shark shark and boob gate during, like, when we were, like, in middle school. <laughs> like, yeah, and I, in 2004, I think. I think mm-hmm. that was the Patriots-Panthers Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And parents were, like, shocked, and they kind of had to explain what happened to us. But, yeah, yeah. But, I yeah, I can't really remember um, what – what performer but i agree with you southern hip-hop or southern rap that would be kind of cool um, yeah i'm excited Atlanta for Travis Scott, though. Yeah, yeah so it'll be really interesting to see what ends up happening with that and like i think before we even transition to like talk about nfl awards and things like that mm-hmm. give me your one super bowl food that you're looking forward to super bowl side dish food because there's always those delicious snacks that you munch on throughout the game so is there a super bowl dish that you that you look forward to i mean it's 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 hard to really narrow it down to just one here uh i'm i'm gonna have to go with potato skins actually potato skins and and bacon bits Yep. Interesting. Yeah, that was I did not expect that. That was underrated. I I did 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 not expect that. You know, for me, I think I would go. I mean, I'm a classic wings guy, so if I could get wings, like I'm I'm oh, yeah. yeah, wings is pizza, mozzarella wings. Sticks. Yeah, I I can just I'm good with wings if I get that. And in terms of in terms of chips. Anything with like cheesy queso dip, something like that, I'm down for that. So um, I'd be happy with that. Hopefully, uh, this weekend, the Super Bowl party that I go to has some really good food, watches, you know, has good commercials. I feel like the commercials have become overrated lately just because everything just gets leaked onto YouTube before the Super Bowl. So. Um, but it's always fun to kind of watch and see everyone's reaction uh, real time. And this is like a day when people that don't normally watch sports or football end up watching sports, kind of like their mom. So it's kind of fun to see like their reaction uh, watching the game as well, especially with them not knowing what's going on. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if we can convince uh, – I'll see if I can convince Nancy on this, but – I'm not too hopeful that she's going to watch even the Super Bowl. Oh, man. You definitely have to get her to sit down to watch. And then you could yeah. explain the rules to her. So it'll be a fun time. Um, mm-hmm. Mike, so why don't we transition over to uh, the NFL Awards. So the NFL Awards, they kind of changed it uh, from like five, six years ago to like making it this night of NFL Awards um, the day before the Super Bowl they kind of like do this black tie event and have like, it's kind of like a uh, Oscar styles award show and, mm-hmm. and like they give out awards and things like that for all the accomplishments that these players had um, throughout the season. Um, so Mike, what I, I think like we should just kind of like go down our, our ballots and kind of see who we think are going to be um winning the awards for this year and what our predictions are. So Mike, for for MVP, who do you have 
um, winning for this year. And I think there's a couple clear candidates. I think it starts with Mahomes and Breeze, but I'm curious to see who you have. Yeah, it, it starts with Mahomes and Breeze, and I think that's pretty much the list. Uh, I, I got to give it to Mahomes, so And it's it's not as close as you would think. I think that Breeze really cooled down at the end of the season, whereas Mahomes kept up his pace. I mean, he's got the 55,000, right, 50 touchdowns, 5,000 uh, yards as well. And, you know, Breeze had a great season. Definitely, you know, very impressive that he could win the NFC. But uh, statistically, I, I just got to give it to Mahomes here. Yeah, I, I think I'm kind of on that same bandwagon. As soon as he hit 50 touchdowns and then got to 5,000 yards as well, I was like, okay, I I think he definitely deserves it. And Brees had a great year as well. Uh, I definitely agree he did cool off towards the end of the season. But once Mahomes kind of he, – he became the story of the NFL this year in terms of, like, the the amount of improvement that he had um and the amount that that quarterback position improved for Kansas City going from Alex Smith to Mahomes so i just really think he definitely elevated the opportunity that Kansas City had um to to possibly win a super bowl and be a championship contender so i think Mahomes at least for me gets the mvp vote so, Mike, moving on, who do you think gets Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah, for me, Defensive Player of the Year here, I, I mean, it's it, it's probably going to be Aaron Donald. And here it's not particularly close again. I mean, for him to lead the NFL in sacks, uh, I think he had 20 and a half sacks. And to do it not even as like a defensive end, right, it's – it's pretty incredible. Um, I, I think it's got to be Aaron Donald. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I think it's Aaron Donald as well. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made for Khalil Mack because of what he meant to that Chicago Bears defense in terms of that Bears defense was good before, but they became really great. Elite, after yep. he, yeah, they became elite after he got there. And maybe it's more like a representation of what he means to that Bears defense and the Bears defense being so good this year. And he was like the best guy on the on the best defensive unit. I could see that argument being made, but Aaron Donald probably had the best individual season and kind of go line in line with you there. I think I think in this next award, the offensive rookie of the year award. I think that's kind of where we might split hairs in terms of Saquon versus um, uh, Baker Mayfield. And yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Saquon here. I he was on my fantasy football team. Mine too. He had, he had some amazing weeks. It 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 was an extremely impressive season for him. Um, But I really think that what Barkley did, right, 2,000 scrimmage yards, um, 15 touchdowns, five yards per carry. And, like, it's it's just extremely impressive what Barkley was able to do. Not not a takeaway from um, Baker Mayfield, who I think also had a really 
really impressive season, especially after getting rid of Hugh Jackson. I mean, honestly, if if Baker Mayfield led them to the playoffs, right, um, which I really think that he could have if Hugh Jackson were not there in the beginning of the season, I do Agreed. think that he would have easily been the offensive rookie of the year. But for me, I think what Saquon Barkley did um, on a pretty mediocre Giants offense besides for him was, you know, my my rookie of the year performer. Yeah, I could definitely see that uh, being a possibility. I think I'm going with Baker. There's other guys there. Quentin Nelson was like a revelation for that Colts offensive line, being able to protect Andrew Luck as well. Wanted to throw his name out there. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought Baker kind of turned it on towards the end of the season, threw for 21, uh, threw for like 23 touchdowns, I believe, or 22, something like that. I can't remember. Um, and he ended up having a really – I thought he had a really big improvement throughout the year, <laughs> basically switching from Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson to – when Freddie Kitchen started calling the plays, um, I thought he had a really, really good improvement. And it's it must be really exciting for Browns fans to know that they actually have a quarterback, especially after the huge line and glut of um, quarterback troubles that they ended up having from, like, Tim Couch, Brady Quint. Like, they just had so many different problems. Johnny Manziel you could throw in there. And then now they've found their guy. And even though Saquon had like a ridiculous year this year, I think I'm, it's so close that I'm almost giving it to Baker because of the, the, the position and the amount of importance that position plays. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. In terms of valuable for the team, like you take away Barkley, put him like replace him with like an average running back, like a CJ Anderson. I'm not sure that this Giants team is, you know, going to be that different in terms of win-loss record. But if you take away Baker here, I think that the Browns are, again, like a, I don't know, 4-12 and 12 team. Agreed. Yeah, totally agree with that. So, moving on, like, we have two more awards left, Defensive Rookie of the Year and then Coach of the Year. So, for Defensive Rookie of the Year, um, I, I na- narrowed it down to, like, four or five guys. Derwin James, Darius Leonard, Bradley Chubb, Leighton Vander Esch, and then mm. Denzel Ward. There, it's really tough. I thought this was like one of the tougher ones as well. Um, the Rookie of the Year awards were seemed to be really tough to try and figure out and parse out. I gave it to mm. Darius Leonard just because of the way he was able to have just like an all-around really great season. Um, from that linebacker position, like he had seven sacks. He, he just, he just really impressed me with the way he ended up playing seven sacks, uh, four forced fumbles, two interceptions. So he had like an overall impact on that Colts defense that I really, really valued. Um, and that's who I, who I'd give it to. Yeah, I, it's going to be a little bit boring here, but I, I, I have to be honest, and I probably will give it to Darius Leonard here as well, um, basically for the reasons you outlined. But for me, he's he's probably beating out Leighton Van Der Esch for me because this Cowboys team was, um, you know, 
it was always reliant on that linebacker position with Sean Lee. And, you know, Sean Lee out, you sort of expected this Cowboys defense to sort of collapse. But Lane Vanderesh, uh, in the games that I saw, in the very impressive wins that I saw, um, you know, where they kept the Saints to like, I believe, like 10 points, right? Um, and the defense truly looked relatively elite at some times for the Cowboys. Um, it really started with Leighton Van Der Esch being everywhere on the field. Um, but unfortunately, I think Leonard was Leonard was also equally impressive, if not a little bit more. Um, he had the NFL leading 163 tackles, um, had some sacks as well. Uh, I, I just think overall he he had a very, very, very strong statistical season here. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, Brad, like that Bradley Chubb, Von Miller combination is pretty scary as well. Like he had uh, double digit sacks uh, in his rookie year, so he can only get better. Um, and it looks like the Browns made two really good picks in their in their top five. I think there's a lot of questions before, like after the draft, post draft, mm-hmm. in terms of whether or not they made the correct call in choosing Baker Mayfield and then Denzel Ward at four. I think pre-draft people and and post-draft people kind of thought, oh, they reached for Ward and and Mayfield at both of those spots, and they could have gone with a couple other players that I think Mm -hmm. a lot of draft experts were like, oh, they should have probably taken this guy in this spot and taken this guy in the other spot. But Mm -hmm. it looks like it's worked out for them extremely well Denzel Ward's kind of this lockdown corner uh lockdown mm-hmm. shutdown corner that they'll have for 10 years or so so it it doesn't look like they seem troubled at all in terms of the players that they picked um in the draft so my final award to give out for us is coach of the year who do you have uh winning this award yeah, so I, I think you could give this to so many people. I think you give it to, you know, in terms of contenders, you have Frank Reich, you have, um, you know, you have Matt Nagy, then you have someone like Sean McVay, you also have Andy Reid. Uh, I, I, I see the case for all of them, right? And this one's going to be a little bit tricky for me, but I do think that, hmm, it's it's a really tight one for me between uh, Andy Reid and Frank Reich here. Interesting. Hmm. What about yourself? I actually had a, a guy that you didn't name, and that kind of just shows how many different coaches that it could have gone to. I I mean, Anthony Lynn, I thought, did a really great job with uh, the Chargers this year. Um, so he, it's not that he would be my pick, but I think he was he was definitely in the I guess conversation just because of what I guess just because of what he had done from last year to this year he showed a lot of it seemed like market improvement from what he what he was last year Mm -hmm. and and the improvement that the Chargers ended up having so I kind of went with Anthony Anthony Lynn but it's. It, I think number two would have been Nagy for me. Um, Interesting. The job that he did. So I thought I would have gone like Lynn Nagy and then Andy Reid. That's that's pretty interesting to me because I think Anthony Lynn, he did well, but <laughs> I mean, 
I, I think I'm still a little bit – I know we shouldn't count the postseason here, but that was pretty bad game planning against the Patriots. He just – he got severely outcoached there. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> right. So I, I think that's why I'm a little bit hesitant. And I know I shouldn't count that against Anthony Lynn because that was in the postseason. But um, I mean, that, that Chargers te- team is so talented – Right, that I, I'm not even sure I, I would give that to Anthony Wynn, in my opinion. Right, I, I just think the Chargers are, in terms of talent, like a top three talent team. Hmm. Interesting. Right. Yeah. So right, who I, would you give it to then? So you 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 gave me two names. You gave me Reed and Nagy, or and you said Reich as well, right? Frank Reich. Yeah, I, I I'm not a huge fan of what Matt Nat. I mean Matt Nagy also did pretty well to incorporate like Mitchell Trubisky um, and truly make like a pretty elite defense this year, um, which I thought was impressive, but some of his play calling and some of the, the I, I just like, he, he didn't have his like rookie coaching mistakes, right? Like some of the play calling where he just refused to give it to Jordan Howard, um, Jordan Howard, like kept relying on Tariq Cohen was like extremely frustrating um, okay. in my opinion. Right, like it'd be like a short, it'd be like a first and short and right, um, or third and short. And you know, rather than trying to give the ball to Jordan Howard, he he tries something cute, right? Remember, like the Khalil Mack play where literally the announcer uh, announced the play that Matt Nagy was going to call, where Khalil Mack was on the field for I think a two point conversion. They basically tried to use him as diversion, and then they gave it to I don't know Taylor Gabriel or something. Or right, right. In the, yeah. in the postseason, yeah. Yeah, and uh, just a lot of coaching mishaps, um, which is why I'm, you know, not really considering Matt Nagy for that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Andy Reid was impressive overall to be to be able to incorporate, like, that truly explosive offense. I, I, I got to give it to Frank Reich, though, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, and th- I mean, that's not a bad choice either because of the talent that he had on that team. Yeah, the talent that Frank Reich was working with on the Colts, like, I don't think anyone really expected them to be a playoff team here. Um, especially with the start that they had as well. Oh, yeah, especially with the start. I think they were, what, 1-4, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to incorporate those rookies, Quentin Nelson, um, Darius Leonard, and also get a lot out of Andrew Luck so that, you know, Andrew looked truly elite especially with the roster talent, right? I, I think that was uh, – that's my coach of the year, right? Yeah, not a surprise at all. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, if if you just compare and contrast, like, the Colts roster versus someone like the Chargers roster, it's it's pretty mind-blowing how much more talent I think that the Chargers have than the Colts. Yeah, it's, I think it's understandable with the, the amount of talent, but I think the Chargers ended up dealing with, like, a lot of injuries and adversity in, in those injuries. So I mm. think that's where maybe the talent, level, the talent level that they did have was exceptional, but I think the the amount of injuries and things that they had to deal with throughout the year was mm-hmm. fairly tough. And for them to be able to get what they did out of those out of those players when um, maybe a backup was filling in, things like that, I, th- I was pretty impressed with that. So that's kind of why I gave it to Lynn as well. Um, yeah. So, 
Colts right. improved from sorry, Col- Colts improved from like four and twelve to ten and six. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to give that edge. Yeah, to Frank sounds, there. Sounds good, Mike. Yeah, so that kind of concludes us talking about the NFL awards. Um, Mike, before you go, I did touch on Anthony Davis a little bit. We're going a little cross sports here. Um, I don't know if you heard the news. Woj bomb dropped this morning around 7 a.m. Eastern time or however early it was. Is there, if you had to give a prediction before we leave in a couple minutes, who do you predict ends up getting Anthony Davis? Uh, I mean, it's got to be the Lakers, no? Yeah, I think I think there the, it it's all about the timing aspect of things, but I think it's gonna be if the Lakers shove everything in the middle. I'm curious to see whether or not New Orleans takes it. So we'll they see what ends up happening. It. Yeah, we'll see what ends up happening. Um, I'm kind of curious to see. So you got the Lakers, and I'm like a TBD. I I kind of hope it's someone else, but. I I'm probably leaning towards. Yeah, because they have to wait till the till next summer to see what ends up happening uh, with that because of the way C, the CBA works and things like that. I'm gonna get into it uh, on a podcast later this week with uh, a friend of mine, so uh, we could save all the details for that for later. But I just want to get your thoughts on um, some big NBA trade news coming up. So. Thanks, Mike, again for coming on uh, to preview the Super Bowl. It's really great to have you on throughout this whole season. And we will have a reaction podcast um, to the Super Bowl and to the results. See if me and Michael were able to predict correctly in the Patriots winning their sixth Super Bowl as much as that would pain me to see. And I'll be rooting for the Rams uh, for those of you guys that – uh, are questioning my Jets fandom at all. I will be rooting for the Rams, but my prediction is that the Patriots will win. So I'm, I, I'm hoping that my prediction is wrong. <laughs> and by next week, you will see whether or not Tom Brady is able to add a sixth ring to his collection. So, Mike, thanks again for coming on, and uh, I'll definitely talk to you next week. Um, to get your reactions on the Super Bowl. Awesome. Thanks, Kev. I hope you hear this message and I hope it makes you smile. Don't worry about me, baby, because I swear that I'll be fine. I got a girl with a mind on love. The kind of love that is dangerous. It knocks me down, but I get back up. And I'm addicted, I can't get enough.